done. Press the right jingle. Lift the correct fader. There you go. That's the one. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, there were so many screw-ups there, I couldn't even begin to count them. NASA doesn't possess a computer strong enough to count them. It is Thursday, the 17th of November. I am Richie Allen, and I come to you with very little today, but you're going to help me out. You're going to go to comment live, and you are going to comment live. Tell me what you're thinking. I'll probably at some stage open Skype and open the telephone line as well. And if you want to jump in and have your say on anything, we can do that. Today has been dominated, at least the news agenda has been dominated, by the UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt, him and his autumn statement, his budget, which basically gave people misery. Awful misery, tax rises and spending cuts across the board. I'm not going to bore you with the details of that because if you want to be bored by the details of it, you'll go to the BBC. That's not why you're here. But it's miserable. A miserable outlook for people delivered by Jeremy Hunt today. And maybe you might want to talk about that, to dwell on that, maybe not. Borrowing, borrowing, borrowing during covid Borrowing to send weapons and aid to Ukraine. Borrowing for this and that. Borrowing. And it has to be paid back now. I I won't get, as I said, too deep into that. I spent many a time on this radio programme through its various life stages. Talking about the creation of money. It isn't something I've done for a long time. I don't think there's any real need to get into it today. How does money come into existence? Fractional reserve banking. You know... But it's very prescient, I think, as they talk today about the Chancellor's need to borrow lots and lots of money. But not just to borrow money, but to save money by taxing everybody more and by cutting spending, by reducing spending on vital public services to pay down a £50 billion black hole in the finances of the country. That's what you've been hearing all day long. I do not know if there is a benevolent creator in the heavens, but I do sometimes muse on that, I think on that, and I think, I wish there was, and if there was, I would pray pretty much every night that I go to bed, that eventually people will begin to ask a very, very, very important question, namely, who is the money being borrowed from, number one, and the follow-up question would be, number two, where did they come by their money? Those would be intelligent questions, and I would love to be answering those questions to a, to a huge global television audience, because I would say they borrow money from their own central banks by issuing government bonds, which are promissory notes. They say, okay, put some money into our account. We will give you a note that promises to pay you back with interest at a later date. So that's how they get money. And anybody can buy government bonds. It isn't just central banks. Hedge funds buy them. Pension funds buy them. And of course, Mr and Mrs John Q. Public also buys government bonds from time to time. I've never bought a government bond in my life. 
but that's one of the ways they raise the money. Now, the question is, the money given to the government by the central bank in return for their government bond, where does that money come from? And basically that money comes from clicking a keyboard a few times. I should have the sound effects now. Uh, the money is loaned into existence. It doesn't exist until the bank agrees to give it to the government or to you for your mortgage or to you because you change your car every year to keep up with the Joneses and you borrow a couple of thousand pounds every year. It isn't money that exists. It is loaned into existence by the bank. This is the greatest fraud of all time. It dwarves the COVID pandemic fraud. It dwarves the climate hoax fraud. This is the greatest. And I pray the day will come when people will ask, who are we borrowing money from and why do they have all the money? And the answer is they don't have all the money. They get to loan money into existence and then give that fictional money to you by crediting your account with a few zeros. But then they charge you interest. You see, there's never enough money in the economy then to pay back the loan because they create the loan, but they don't create the interest. And this is where, this is it's prescient today, this, because in the UK, you've got the government and on the other side of the of the House of Commons, you've got the Labour Party saying that if it was in charge, it would borrow to invest. Borrow. Borrow from who and how did the lender come by the money. It has never been more important. And I'm not waffling on here because I've come to you today completely unprepared. <laughs> I'm not. This is hugely important. I used to go on and on and on about it back during my evenings in Spain, on the radio in Spain, the beautiful weather and the sun in the summer. You sit there and talk to people about this, try to get them to understand it. Because the road you went down yourself, I went down, we reached the conclusion because there is only one, there is an inescapable conclusion and that is those who possess the power to create money out of thin air, those people are the de facto rulers of our universe. At least the universe we can see and smell and taste and touch. They must be running things. If they get to create money out of thin air, loan it to people to get them up to their tits in death, in debt even, and death, but debt, D-E-B-T, and then go to those people and say, oh, you can't pay us back now. Now we'll take land, we'll take assets, we'll take the family jewels, we'll take the house, we'll take the car, we'll take everything. That's what's going on right now. And it has never, this this has occurred ever since the 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 end of the gold standard. It was going on before the gold standard um, was brought to an end. But it's it's been happening um, ever since then, and right now it's happening at a greater rate than at any time in history. It's it, it really is. This is the essence of it. Long-time listeners to the programme might remember me speaking to the Australian economist Steve Keane. And I didn't trap or trick Steve. He's a really nice guy, Steve Keane, the economist. But I got him to acknowledge and to admit that our banking system is run by criminals who get to loan money into existence take no risk whatsoever, um, set the conditions that guarantee most people will eventually default and then they come for the real wealth. And we're seeing this today again in this country. The, the autumn statement, the budget, misery for people, more taxes for people, less money spent on public services while inflation is going through the roof 
and the cost of living is rising exponentially, it is driving people into poverty. People who never thought or imagined they would ever be poor are now staring down the gun barrel of poverty, of real poverty. Holy shit, that was something for other people. Poverty, that was something I used to see sometimes around Christmas. See people and I'd feel sorry for them. Christ, it's me now. It's me now. Next year, the year after. Um, you might want to talk about some of this, you might not. RichieAllen.co.uk, comment live. At some stage I'll throw the phone and the Skype thing open as well. It's already ten and a half minutes past five. I really wish it's the one thing. I remember many years ago I was having a drink in London with a director named Simon, a television director, a really, really lovely guy. And he said, Richie, if there was something you could instantly make the nation aware of by clicking your fingers, what would it be? And I said, that would be it. I would get them to understand their money and where it comes from. That the entire financial system is a faith-based system. It only survives because people trust it and they believe in it. But in fact, it is one massive fraud from top to bottom. Uh, that would be the thing. That would be my wish. One thing, Richie, if there was one thing that people could learn tonight, it would be that. Didn't Ford, the anti-Semite himself, old uh, Ford, didn't he say that if people became aware, I'm paraphrasing Ford, of money creation, of how money worked, of the money supply, didn't he say there would be riots in the morning, that the country would be brought down? I think it was Ford who said that. I think it was Ford who said that. Um, so, so today's news agenda dominated by money, by the cost of living crisis, by how it's going to get really, really difficult for people in the next two to three to four years. You've got old conservatives screaming from the rooftops that um, the, the conservative chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, has basically done an old Labour trick. He's going after people's taxes uh, the, the wealthiest, he's not really going after the wealthiest, they've reduced the threshold where you pay the 45% uh, tax rate. They've reduced it from 150 grand down to 125, but he's not really gone after the wealthy. They've increased windfall taxes on the big energy companies, the North Sea oil and gas companies, so they've increased that from 25% to 35%, but that's no big deal really. Um, it's just squeeze, 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 squeeze. And listening to talk radio and talk television today, there are a lot of really nervous people. And by people, I mean ordinary people like me and like you. People who don't have a massive, you, you, you know, fallback bank account. People who don't have a bank account with enough money in it to cover them if things really get bad in the next six months or 12 months or 18 months. So I don't want to depress you talking about this. And you know, a part of me thinks, as this squeeze tightens, again, this is the naivety that resides inside me, and I can't get rid of it. A part of me thinks maybe, maybe the middle class, if, if the middle classes, and I hate this notion of class, I hate it, but we've got to use these terms because... They are embedded in people's minds. But if middle income earners, people who are always, you know, fairly comfortable but never rich, I, I, I had this thing, this, this thought, 
for many years, if those people ever get squeezed, there might be some sort of revolution. If these people ever realise that it's all a big scam, you know, something might happen, something might come out of that. 14 minutes past the hour. Going to take a very quick um, tune. When we come back from that, I want to talk about something that has come out of the G20 meeting. Uh, The G20 is basically 19 countries and the European Union. So effectively 45 countries. Or is it 46? Um, And it's a forum. A forum of 19 countries, uh, the wealthiest countries in the world, and the European Union. So they meet every year, and allegedly they meet every year to talk about the global economy, to talk about climate change, and how to develop the planet sustainably. That's what they're supposed to be doing. In reality, they're taking their orders uh, from far, far more powerful and influential people than they are, okay? So they've met in Bali. They were there for two days. At the end of the meeting, uh, all 20, 19 countries and the European Union countries signed a declaration. And there are some interesting things contained in the declaration, and I want to talk about that in a moment when we come back. This is Thursday's Richie Allen Show. Presented by me, Richie Allen, the BBG, from BBG Towers in Salford, the only man-made object that you can see from the moon in Salford. This is music from Sheffield's Chris Rhea. It's called The Road to Hell. Do speak to me on the website comment line. Chris Rhea, The Road to Hell on The Richie Allen Show. Scaramouche says, Richie, we all know who creates the money out of thin air and it has been going on for a lot longer than the last 100 years. Yet the banks create money out of thin air. He says, but as you stated yesterday, what can you do about it? They've been destroying civilizations for at least a thousand years. Yes, but this is important. It's something worth talking about now. As they, as they, in my opinion, are in, not the beginning, they're going to destroy the economy and they're going to move us onto the centralised banking digital currencies. And that's going to happen fairly soon. And maybe there's a window of opportunity now to to encourage people to begin to think about money. Where does it come from? What is it backed up by? You know, why are banks... Who gave banks licence to, to loan as much as 10 times more than the bank's actual deposits? Because when that happened, when banks were given a licence to print money, not to print money, but to loan it into existence digitally, when that happened, banks were turned into gangsters, basically. Immediately, overnight. And this was deliberate, of course, so that real wealth could be stolen from the people of the world. That was the whole point of that. Get people into debt. And you don't ever want to see that money back because it doesn't exist. You don't give a shit as the bank. I've given this guy 300... I've given this bloke 300 million pounds. He's a property developer. And um, he's going to do a thousand houses or two thousand houses on this big complex and it's near a lake and it's near some woods and we're going to give him that money doesn't exist we don't want it back because it doesn't exist what we want is we want the property 
We want the land, we want the woods, and we want the fucking lake. So the poor bastard who's the property developer, he's basically nothing more than a mark for a con man. That's what banks do. When you take a loan out for a mortgage, from a, for, when you take a mortgage loan from a bank, the bank takes no risk. It doesn't want the money back. It wants the house. It wants the land. And you're a mark. Well, that's a fact. There's no disputing that. So I hear Scaramouche loud and clear. But it's important, I think, now. And I'm not going to do it beyond today, but today to talk a little bit about that. Um, Rob says, Richie, I once borrowed £7,500 from my bank. It was in my account within an hour. The money, the numbers, the digits. Rob says, I needed £5,000 of it to buy a new car, cash in hand. So I went to the bank and they didn't have the money. It took two days until I could withdraw the money. They asked me what it was for as well. They wanted to know, says Rob. Chris Morell says, yes, money, the slave system, the millions, the billions, even to Ukraine. But the pay rise for nurses has to be costed. Cuts made to afford it. Robbing Peter to pay Paul and all of that old shite will, as you say, uh, the middle income people wake up, asks Chris. That's a great point. Again, always money for war. Always money to send weapons into Ukraine, to send weapons into Saudi Arabia to be used against the people in Yemen and elsewhere. Always money to build airplanes, to maintain military bases. Nobody ever talks about that in the media, in politics. Let's scale back. Nobody has attacked the United Kingdom since, I don't know, since when? Since 1942? 43? 44? What year was it? I'm supposed to know this stuff. Nobody's going to attack the United Kingdom. Why spend billions of pounds a year on defence? Never any talk about that. Why send billions overseas in foreign aid? Nobody talks about that either. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, this is uh, Thursday's Richie Allen Show. Vicky says, anyone who has ever struggled with poverty knows how extremely expensive it is to be poor. Isabel says the banking system is a never-ending pyramid scheme. It needs more borrowers to cover for the loans already given. The only way to reset itself is a crash, which is why crashes are regular. Why they happen often, says Isabel. They are essential to keep this flawed system going. She's right. And the next one is going to be the last crash. In my opinion, and I say this as no real expert, so take it with a fairly large pinch of salt. The next one is going to be the end of money as we know it. Cash gone forever. Digital currency only. And let me talk a little bit about that because I came across this this morning. Not in the mainstream media, but I came across uh, this on, on, on a blog. Somebody was, somebody got in touch with me and said, Richie, have you seen the declaration signed by the G20 leaders in Bali. It was only signed yesterday. I said, no, I haven't seen it yet. And I was directed to the White House website, whitehouse.gov, and the White House published the, the, the agreement, the declaration, in its entirety. Now, I've written about this on the website, my website. You can go and read about it there, and you'll see the link to the entire declaration. 
But there's a very interesting paragraph or two in there talking about talking about um, vaccine passports and basically the digitalization of everything. Okay, so the G20, again, I mentioned this earlier on, 19 countries and the European Union, which is a single country. It really is. Look, well, we're not going to get into that again. We, we did that to death during the whole Brexit thing. But that's what it is. And it claims, does the G20, to work on the global economy, stability, financial stability, and climate change and stuff like that. In reality, it's something a bit different, in my opinion, because these guys are not deciding anything. Let, let, let there be no illusions that any of these people are in charge. Ursula von der Leyen, uh, uh, not Merkel, I can't think of the guy's name now, the new guy in Germany. Um, not that it matters, does it really? Uh, Sunak, none of them. The, 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 the absolute gombeans that that are supposedly running Ireland. Micheál Martin and that fuckwit he's going to hand over to in a few weeks' time, Leo Varadkar, uh, the merry Indian guy who um, was cavorting in the Phoenix Park having semi-naked parties with his pals while overseeing lockdown in Ireland and the collapse of people's businesses and their civil rights as people were being chased by the Garda Shia Kona and asked why they were outdoors when they shouldn't be outdoors. This fucking Egypt, Leo Varadkar. How could anybody believe that these people are in charge? But that's what the G20 purports to be. That's the word of the week, purports. Now, paragraph 23 of the declaration reads like this. We support the World Health Organization mRNA Vaccine Technology Transfer Hub, as well as all the spokes in all regions of the world with the objective of sharing technology and technical know-how on voluntary and mutually agreed terms. We welcome joint research and joint production of vaccines, including enhanced cooperation among developing countries. We acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of the IHR 2005 to facilitate seamless international travel, interoperability and recognising digital solutions and non-digital solutions, including proof of vaccinations. We support continued international dialogue and collaboration on the establishment of trusted global digital health networks. Global digital health networks. We trust... Um, hang on, let me read that again. On the establishment of trusted global digital health networks as part of the efforts to strengthen, strengthen prevention and response to future pandemics. That should capitalise and build on the success of the existing standards and digital COVID-19 certificates. So what you're seeing here basically is the framework for a one world government. For, for a unity, for a unified approach to dealing with everything. For a global approach for dealing with every crisis real or imagined or fake or engineered in the case of the COVID crisis and in the case of climate change. We, we, we spoke at length in the early summer and in the late spring 
about plans to give the World Health Organization eminent domain over the global response to any outbreak, any pandemic, anything like that. So you know all about that. I don't think I need to go into that. That's um, not new news. But um, our country, this country here in the UK, your country, wherever you happen to be, um, is signing off as we speak, is signing off uh, on the World Health Organization running the response to future health threats to future, they call it health security issues, right? So if they declare a pandemic in the future, individual nation states would not formulate their own response to the health crisis. No, the World Health Organization would dictate what has to happen and it would be obeyed. So they signed off on this yesterday. Um facilitating seamless international travel, uh, including proof of vaccinations. Building on the success of the existing standards and digital COVID-19 certificates. I, I call it chilling. I don't have much of an, an imagination. There, there are far probably better ways of describing it than chilling, but, but it's horrendous is what it is. And it's where we are now. And it's happening now. And the next paragraph goes on to talk about online safety and disinformation. Because, of course, as they're turning the planet into a prison in front of our eyes, which they are, and sadly, it's only you and me and a few others that can see this. Most people can't see it. Therefore, they don't react to it. They certainly don't take up arms against it or at least disobey it because they can't see it. Willfully choose not to see it or because they just don't see it. Intelligence really doesn't come into it. I don't think. Is there such a thing as emotional intelligence, is there? I don't know. Because some very bright people, problem solvers, you know, good people to have around, bright like, you know, well read if, if that even means anything anymore. But but it does to me as somebody who, who studied English, it does. You know, I like speaking with people who, who know their their words worth from their Shakespeare, from their WB Yeats and people who can hold a conversation. So 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 even the brightest of people haven't seen this or are refusing to accept that they have seen it but but don't want to deal with it. It's happening in front of our eyes. So so they've got to deal with that. Um and it seems the only thing in their way is whatever constitutes the independent media. So they want to go after that. Um, they acknowledge that affordable and high-quality digital digital connectivity is essential for digital inclusion. This is their own wording now. And digital transformation. While a resilient, safe and secure online environment is necessary to enhance confidence and trust in the digital economy. And I highlighted that. Again, the cheek of them. We're going to roll out tyranny. We're going to digitalise everything. We're going to force you through coercion, through fear, to carry around with you on your phone, on your person, um, a digital health passport and a vaccine passport. And that's only for starters, because really we want to do away with the mobile phones and we want you to have an implantable, some sort of a little chip, maybe under one of your fingernails, maybe on the back of your hand. And that will contain all of your bio data and everything else. It'll also enable you to shop and, and to access places and, and all of that. So you want to do all of this. But we've got to manage the internet. 
to enhance confidence and trust in this fucking tyranny. They call it trust in the digital economy. It's trust in tyranny. How do we do that? Well, we acknowledge, they say, the importance of countering disinformation campaigns, cyber threats, online abuse, and ensuring security in connectivity infrastructure. So as I said today on my website, vaccine passports, digital inclusion, digital economy, uh, censorship on steroids, it's all there. This is tyranny. Not a whisper, not a peep from, from, from any UK newspaper today. This was signed off by the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. I doubt he even read it, Sunak. I'd be very surprised if he read it. I'd be very surprised if he gave a shit, to be honest. Like I said, these guys are not in charge. That's the other thing. All those years ago, the lovely uh, uh, television director asking me the question, what, what would you like people to be aware of, Richie, overnight? Definitely the money system. But also the fact that these puppets, these goons, these useless cretins like Rishi Sunak are not in charge. It isn't their doing. They deliver it. They deliver it. They roll it out. They're the public face of it. But they certainly don't imagine it. They certainly don't write it. They don't create it. They're nothing but stooges. I wish people could see that. I wish those clowns in Florida earlier this week cheering and stomping at the news that that straw-haired fuckwit Donald Trump is going to stand for president again. I wish these people would wake up. What changed in your life for the better in the four years that Muppet sat in the Oval Office? Nothing. That's right. Things just got worse. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Just as things get worse now under Biden and they'll get worse next time under Ron DeSantis or whoever it happens to be. That's another one I wish people would wake up to. But my fear is, rather than wake up to that, they seem to be investing themselves more in its legitimacy. Don't they? And social media, of course, plays a big part in that. So in this G20 declaration, we are going to monitor and stalk every human being on this planet. We are going to insist on them sharing their health data with us carrying vaccine passports, ultimately getting chipped. We're going to hand the World Health Organization the reins to the planet when it comes to dealing with any health issue in the future. We're going to crack down on anybody questioning this online. We've got to do that to, quote, enhance confidence and trust in the digital economy, end quote. Was there a time, I know, I know, I know, I'm boring myself, I'm boring you. Was there a time, What was there a journalist? Did we have a writer who would have written about this in the broadsheet press, who would have said, are you fucking kidding me? Pol Pot anybody? Stalin anybody? The Chinese anybody? The North Koreans anybody? It's a chat with Richie on Skype. I will open a Skype and I will open the telephone lines in a few minutes to see if there are any takers on this and one or two of the other stories I have um, for you today. Um, so let me do this anyway. 
It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now that, that meme, the meme with the details is on the Facebook page for this program. I think it's facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie is the Facebook page. The meme is on there. If you want to take take some of this stuff on um, with me. I'm trying to read the comments, but the website's in meltdown at the moment. It's so busy. So let me have a look. Darren says, It's noticeable that recently many of the fringe politicians from mainly the right have been pointing out that our politicians are now serving the World Economic Forum globalists and not the electorate. Kind of encouraging, despite us knowing... Uh, this for a few years. It's kind of encouraging that fringe politicians are calling out how the mainstream politicians are serving the World Economic Forum since Darren. Kind of encouraging, he says. But they need to all get together to seriously challenge the current establishment to at least slow it down. And then he says the latest one was Suzanne Evans, who was the leader of UKIP for a while, if I remember, finally dawning on her that voting Labour or Tory is pointless because of the World Economic Forum influence. Voting for anybody is pointless, Darren. It's a waste of time. The first thing an elected MP is going to do, on day one they are going to betray every man and woman who voted for them. Because they are going to put their hands on a Bible, or on a Quran, or on a Torah, and they are going to swear by Almighty God that they will bear true and faithful allegiance to the King of England and to all of his heirs, so help them God. That's fraud. That's a tyranny. Hang on a second. We we elected you, dickhead. Us here in 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 Prestatin. We elected you. What are you swearing allegiance to him for? Why don't you swear by Almighty God that you'll spend morning, noon, and night on your fucking hands and knees, if necessary, to do right by the constituents who elected you to Westminster. By Almighty God, I'll get up every day of the week and I'll work to make sure that every human being in that constituency has a house that's warm, has a job that pays enough to live happily, to be able to go to the fucking pub on a Sunday, to be able to go to fucking Santa Ponza once or twice a year. I will... I will scrub floors if I have to as a politician, as your elected representative to ensure that your life is a worthy life it's a happy life it's a pleasant life and it's a fruitful one no, they swear allegiance to a fucking paedophile in in, in Buckingham Palace or at least a paedophile protector a guy who wrote letters to a convicted paedophile fucking bishop trying to get his sentence um Reduced. A guy who hung out with a world record-breaking paedophile in Jimmy Savile. So, so we, we, we have the wrong politicians. Come on, Darren. We don't have the wrong politicians. We have politicians. They're all wrong. What would David Curtin do? As lovely as he I love David. I love David coming on. The Heritage Party. What would he do if he won a seat to Westminster? He would swear allegiance to King Charles III and to all of his heirs, so help him God. And that, that can't be right, that, can it? I want to dedicate that particular rant to Bobby Sands, by the way. 
This is the Richie Allen Show. The time is 19 minutes to 6 o'clock. This is Elton John, bizarrely, and Nikita back with more in a couple of minutes' time. Elton John and Nikita on the Richie Allen Show, quarter to six it is. Thanks for uh, joining me today. Thanks for being here. It's good to be with you. It's nice to read your comments as well. Lots of them today. Max uh, says, you're on the money, Richie, with regards middle earners. They're being squeezed hard. I'm seeing people who normally would never come near the bank for help. And they are the new cohort, which are struggling. They're getting no help from the government and facing the bigger bills, mortgages, energy, food, etc., even looking at debt management and food banks as max. Diane says the reality is this. The pink elephant on the settee uh, playing the piano badly is the issuance of money. The only way a real socialist system can work is a sovereign monetary system under the control of the people. Borrowing money isn't clever. My mam taught me that, God rest her, says Diane. Kiki says physical gold and silver are heavily suppressed and manipulated down by paper derivatives of the aforementioned precious metals. Uh, thanks for that. Steve says there are cons and there are cons. He, he worked at a stock brokerage as a margin clerk in the 70s. One new margin account at the local branch, which I did not handle. He says one new margin account started making trades nearly every day, racking up great commissions for the sales agent. This went on all summer. Finally, the trades started running the account down so much that it required maintenance calls for extra cash from the customer. The customer disappeared after selling out, leaving a $15,000 deficit. No one seemed to notice that he had paid his trades or for his trades in traveller's checks. Jesus. Wow. Thanks for that, Steve. David Farrell says, Hi, David. The whole modern-day system was created to enslave man. We fell for it big time, buying everything on credit. Slaves to the bankers, says David. We only have ourselves to blame. Faisal says, Well, I never bought anything on credit, so it's the rest of you gits, he says. That um, was something I never did either. When I was younger, and I got my first decent paying job. It was as a tour guide at Waterford Crystal. When I say decent paying, it wasn't an adult's wage. You know, I was 17 at the time, but it was a decent... There was £100 at the end of the week, I think. I think that's what I got paid. It was To me, it was decent anyway. And I, I put away some money every week. And then I went into a, into a... What would you call it? An electronics shop. A shop that sells stereos and whatnot. And... I wanted to buy a Sony stereo with a turntable and with a CD player and a twin cassette decks, you know the thing. And I went in and the rather crafty sales guy tried to cajole me into hanging on to my money and signing up to buying it on credit to pay for it monthly at something like 14 or 15% APR. But I don't know whether it's the Irish in me I'm not sure we're great. I know some, I know some, I've said this on the program before, so I won't dwell on this. I, I know some uh, Pakistani men. I know some Jewish men, not women, men, it's predominantly men. And, and quite well too. And they've said to me, never buy anything on credit. So one thing um, Muslims and Jews have in common. They're not stupid when it comes to money. Um, 
somebody who's been on this programme in the past got into trouble for saying something like that. But it's true. Not stupid. And I wasn't stupid. I said, no, thank you very much. Here's the cash. Thank you. Box it up and I will carry it out to my friend's car. That was me. Wiley says, you say bankers became gangsters. Is it not the other way around, says Wiley? Gangsters became bankers. Yeah, you could say that too. I have no doubt. And Thomas has posted an interesting link to the autumn statement, which is on there. Lucy has also posted a long and interesting uh, post as well about this. Go to richieallen.co.uk live comment. Our listeners do post some really interesting things on there, not just during the live programme as well. Kiki says, Richie, the central banks worldwide have bought more gold in the last quarter than in the last 50 years. What does that say? Says Kiki. And then Kiki says, your new studio is sounding crystal clear. It ought to, Kiki. God damn it. A lot of time has been spent on it. A lot of money. A lot of sweat and tears has gone into this studio. If it isn't sounding well now, I'm giving up. Colin asks, has anyone else started to buy a bit of silver and gold? He asks, if so, what is the best way to go about it? Any advice? Asks Colin. And then Caroline has given him some advice. She said, I have no idea about gold, but my fella had to have heavy silver chain fixed the other week. He had to have his heavy silver chain fixed the other week. When he brought it, when he bought it about five years ago, it cost him £100. It's now worth £800. Is that right, Caroline? Silver has increased in value. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Thanks for all of these comments, by the way. Uh, thank you for them. I am going to open Skype in the thing in a minute. If you want to, you don't have to, because we did a phone in yesterday. I gave you no heads up on this. But I arrived this afternoon into the studio with very little. Not because I decided to have a lazy day today. Uh, I didn't. No, no. What happened was the autumn statement thing. And there were other things going on to do with the show, with the website, bills and stuff. I was up to my eyes doing stuff. And there wasn't an awful lot of interesting audio for me to record to play for you as I would ordinarily do in the monologue kind of a thing. But let's say in about 10 minutes time, I'll take some of your calls. Here's the jingle again, just in case you don't know the numbers now. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. The very learned Jean Ann Crowley in the west of Ireland says to me, and she's right, it's all getting so in your face now, isn't it? The demolishing of nations gaining speed and they're beginning not to care whether we notice or not. That's very shrewd, I think, and I patronise my friend not. Absolutely bang on. They're, the, the, the mask hasn't so much slipped as they've ripped it off their faces. And I think caller Wayne mentioned this on the phone in yesterday, didn't he? Climate change is a fantastic example of this. No attempt. I, I, I wrote about this today. Do you want me to play you the clip? You can't see what she's talking about, but you can at least hear her. Uh, Laura Tobin is a, a a weather girl who doesn't like to be called a weather girl. She's a bit up herself. 
She's a meteorologist. Fair enough. She has a degree in meteorology. Um, and, and she works for Good Morning Britain on ITV most mornings. Laura Tobin. Whether girls are not what they used to be. This is where I go all misogynistic now. God be with the days of Ulrika Johnson. Ulrika! Ulrika was lovely. I mentioned today I used to know the weather forecast off by heart when Ulrika was on TV AM. Knew everything, what was going on. It sunk in. Oh, what's wrong with the website today? It's busy. It shouldn't be as busy on a Thursday. I'm not even going to explain that to you. But um, the live audience, huge Monday, Tuesday, still pretty big Wednesday, Thursday, but a little bit less the live audience on a Thursday as we get closer to the weekend. The numbers drop just a little bit, but, but the podcast numbers go up. You see? So what you lose on the swings, you gain on the roundabout. So people who don't listen to the live show on Thursday, they grab the podcast later on, you see. Laura Tobin is a weather girl. She's in Sharm, or she was in Sharm al-Sheikh in Egypt, which is where COP27 has been going on, where they've been telling us about the climate crisis, which is bollocks, isn't it? With a capital B. How do you spell bollocks, by the way? I It varies with me. It's B-O-L-L-O-X. Sometimes it's B-O-L-L-O-C-K-S. Depending on the frame of mind I happen to be in at any given moment. So she's no Ulrika Johnson, but she's the weather girl for ITV's Good Morning Britain. And she wanted to tell the listeners this morning that there is a huge difference between 1.5 degree warming... That's the average warming of the planet. And three degree warming. Because if we get to three degree warming, well, the world is going to be underwater, she said. And here she is. Good morning to you. There's a lot of talk about how much Earth is warming, what we want to limit it to. We're currently on track for three degrees of warming. We want to limit it to one and a half degrees to avoid the catastrophic impacts of climate change. We hear that a lot. What does it mean? Why should we care? Well, I want to show you. Alexandria is the second biggest city here in Egypt. It's their port, it's their farmland. It's the second largest rural area, most densely populated farming in the entire world. Alexandria. We know where Alexandria is. She's shown us a photograph of a mosque in Alexandria. You can watch this on my website. So she's showing us a lovely photograph of the mosque and it looks lovely. There's a lovely little pavilion in front of it. There's a nice little street. It all looks lovely. Best case scenario, a third of it's underwater and a quarter of people displaced. This is the rural area, most densely populated farming in the entire world. Best case scenario, a third of it's underwater. Best case scenario, a third of it is underwater, she says. And a quarter of people displaced. And a quarter of people displaced. This is what Alexandria looks like right now. And it will look like still if we can limit our warming to one and a half degrees. This is their mosque. But if Earth continues to warm to three degrees, this is what would happen to sea level. So if we warm to three degrees, she's now showing us another picture, a mock-up of the mosque in Alexandria and the water is halfway up the front door of the mosque, about four or five feet. This is the weather girl on Good Morning Britain. This is so ridiculous it defies description. But yet it's happening. It's like Jean Ann said. There's no attempt to disguise this bullshit now. Or to mask it. It's just out there. Sea level is one of the biggest outcomes from climate change. Warmer this is not a geologist speaking. It's not a climatologist. It's a weather girl. Sea levels will rise. 70% of the Earth's surface is covered in water. 
And there's a huge difference between what one and a half and three degrees would mean in Alexandria, water up to a woman's shoulders, about one and a half metres of sea level rise there. But it's not just in Egypt. Not just in Egypt, we can expect it in London. Not just in Africa. This will happen all around the world. This is what would happen in the... Do you hear the authority in this little minx's voice? Do you hear the authority? This is a woman speaking in a, in a manner in which, or with which, you, you, you can imagine a viewer being, being impressed by this. She's speaking with, with such certainty and such confidence. Why would you question it? Well, she's a fucking weather girl. Water up to a woman's shoulders, about one and a half metres of sea level rise there. But it's not just in Egypt, not just in Africa. This will happen all around the world. This is what would happen in the UK. This is Buckingham Palace if we, right now, and also if we can keep our warming below 1.5 degrees, everything looks fine. But three If we keep our warming below 1.5 degrees, Buckingham Palace looks normal and you've got that lovely red tarmac and that lovely little statue in front of Buckingham Palace. But if we don't keep the warming below 1.5, what will happen? Three degrees of warming, these maps from Climate Central show that the sea level would rise, the rivers would rise, there'll be inundation around Buckingham Palace and much of central London, and this happens right around coastal areas of the UK. And, and now she shows a photograph of Buckingham Palace that has been mocked up to make water come above the front entrance. So the water is above the fence. This is the weather girl speaking with authority on what will happen if we don't limit the global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees. I, 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 I like to think that somewhere in most people, a little voice is screaming, that in most people watching this, even if they can't hear the voice, even if they can't hear it, if they're not aware of it yet, there is a voice screaming at them, how... Is it possible that we, people, men, women and children, how is it possible that we could change just by our existence, by the things we do to live, that we could change the global temperature, the global temperature, that we could raise it above three degrees? How can we believe that? When the same people who tell us to believe that tell us that the sun, that massive ball of gas and flames in the sky, that the sun has got nothing to do with it. How could we believe it? I, I like to think there's a little voice inside people, screaming at them, screaming at them, saying, no, 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 this is nonsense. Don't listen to this. It's pathetic. The same people told us 25 years ago that the Maldives would be underwater now. And guess what's not underwater now? The Maldives. That's right. Still standing. Thriving. David Sedgwick spoke about this on the programme recently. The author who's exposed uh, the BBC and has been exposing the BBC's bullshit for many years now. Yeah. Right, it's um, exactly six o'clock. This is Eagles. And one of these nights, I'm Richie Allen. This isn't going too bad, to be honest. I thought I'd be struggling, but yeah, there you go. The Eagles and one of these nights on the Richie Allen Show. Back with you in 42.5 seconds. Plenty more to talk about. And I will 
I swear I will open that telephone thing in me, Jake. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of the Richie Allen show you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code richieallen365 at checkout go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two-day track delivery uncensored unfiltered you're listening to richie allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show absolutely bloody marvelous that's the one tis me tis me it's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Right, so it isn't a phone and I give you no heads up on it, but the line is open if you want to join in with any of this madness, okay? <laughs> it's chat with Richie. It's 0161 818 and while um, there's, there's so much to talk about, ironically, me saying that I didn't um, have a lot today outside of the autumn statement, but there is a lot going on. Let me read a few more comments. Chris came back to say, put an ice cube in a glass of water filled to the brim, he says, and watch as it doesn't spill over. Gavin Liederman says, what causes warming? Well, that big yellow thing in the sky, most carbon dioxide is in the sea. And when it warms, it gets released. Warming doesn't follow CO2. Spot on, Gavin. They conveniently got rid of the medieval warming period because it didn't fit their bollocks, he says. You're right. Well said. Thomas says if the water levels rise, the lizard people will have to learn to swim, he says, or shapeshift into fish. And Craig says, Richie, I know you are an old trade unionist, so my apologies. Don't apologise, Craig, for your opinion, because you're entitled to it. He says, have you ever considered that by the trade unions pushing for higher wages in the public sector, they have always been playing along with that increased borrowing behaviour? It's just the thoughts, says Craig. Hitler got just over, only just over 30% of the votes in Germany. How did he become Chancellor? Well, he met up with a banker before the election, an old Spanish banking cartel funded Castro. Allende was a close friend of Castro. He was... And I know a lot about Salvador Allende. And in his first election, he didn't get a majority vote. So how did he get into power and afford a nationalisation programme? Asks Craig. I'm not going to do the Allende thing again. I did an hour special one time on Salvador Allende. I won't do it again. Uh, the banks funded Mao. Uh, there was an old photo showing a smiling chairman sat opposite a Rothschild. The banks funded the Bolsheviks. How did Roosevelt afford the New Deal? How did Attlee afford the nationalisation programme after WW2, World War II? When we were broke, how did he afford it? The traces and trails are for there, are there even for those who take the time to look. Thank you, uh, Craig. Rob asks, how many times has the ice melted in your Bacardi and Coke and made it spill out of the glass? Ice has never melted in my Bacardi and Coke, Rob, because I drink at the speed of light. No, I don't. Uh, but I don't use ice anymore. Hmm. No. I don't use ice in my drinks anymore. No, I don't. I just use very, very cold Coca-Cola. Yes. 
Absolutely. Caroline says, in my opinion, I do not think the sea is rising because of climate change. They've been saying this for years, she says. It's maybe rising, maybe, but I believe it's because they have been dumping crap in the oceans for years. Yeah, and as the very interesting man, the Professor Ian Plymer has said many times on, on in various speeches given around the world, sea level rises have been happening forever and ever. And we have had much, much greater sea level rises in the past than the ones they are threatening us with now. Much, much, and the waters receded. Glaciation periods and stuff like that. Um, what's it called again? Jesus. No, I, I just, I, I, he's got a new book out. I can't remember the name of it. Climate Murder, Climate Something Like That. It's very, very, very good. And I do highly recommend it. Okie doke. Okie doke. Let's go to the telephone line now. And we might have Claire on the line. Let's get Claire on. It's uh, 10 past 6, by the way. It's Thursday's Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live from Super Salford. It's Claire, who used to live in New Zealand, but she's not in New Zealand anymore. How are you, Claire? How's it going, Richie? Not too shabby. How's life then? Because you've been, you've been in the UK now for what six months, something like that, a year. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've moved back. I moved back to Ireland actually, so I've been kind of here since. So, yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm at the parts of New Zealand I miss, like, but I don't miss uh, Adern. You don't know. Fair enough. You don't miss Jacinda, right now. No, I don't. So, as an Irish woman, we, we, both of us are Irish. I despair at. I I can forget I can't forgive but I can be a tad indifferent to the to the carry on to the tyranny of English politicians and their and their masters and mistresses but it kills me to see what's going on in Ireland that makes no bloody sense whatsoever but it does how do you feel about that like I mean you would have seen Ireland from afar in New Zealand the lunatic asylum yeah. it's become now you're back now I'm back and I'm seeing it full <laughs> Yeah, look, it's an embarrassment, Richie. Um, Ireland is bought and paid for. Um, we can't pass a national budget without Brussels say. So really, when people say, you know, about Ireland and the Republic of Ireland and a sovereign nation, we're not sovereign, Richie. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, like if, you, if you can't even pass a national budget without the say-so of Brussels. So we've basically swapped one empire, I suppose, for another. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then you see the clowns over at COP and all that jazz. And I mean, Eamon Ryan, the Green Party fella, looks sunburnt. Do you know? So <laughs> maybe he's just—he did, he did. Oh my God, I've seen some hilarious on TikTok. But um, hey, did you yeah, hear this? Did you hear this today? I was reading in the Irish Times today. Eamon Ryan was addressing COP on behalf of Europe. That's what it said. Oh yeah, that on was, behalf that, of that was, Europe. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, look, it, he, he's a job for life now in the European Union. Same as Micheál Martin, same as Leo Varadkar. Um, like, yeah, Ireland's a joke and we're not we're not sovereign, you know, so I remember the, the way it is. Uh, that's the baby crying now. The that's Aoife. The, 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 what's her name again? Aoife. Aoife, beautiful name. I asked you this Aoife last was, time. Yeah, Aoife, she was yeah. three months when we moved back. Or as the Americans say, Aoife. Hi there, Aoife. Aoife. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The, the, the thing about this whole getting the budget signed off, I'll never forget the first time I really began to see things as they were. It was that moment when I read in the Irish Independent that three guys were flying in from, from Brussels with briefcases to approve, to approve our budget. And I yeah. thought, holy God, yeah. But you know what, Richie? We actually haven't been sovereign since 2008, since Lisbon. 
because like people like forget like we voted twice on it and the first time it was rejected because people kind of said like oh well you know our our um neutrality and all that's going to be affected so then they were sent back to Europe and you know to kind of what can we do here? So basically Europe said, okay, well, we, we, we'll give you these guarantees, like, you know, that you'll have nothing to do with like a European army or any of that jazz, your, yeah. your um, neutrality is intact and all that. But you know what, Richie, the guarantee that they, it's, a, the guarantee they gave, it's no better than a post-it stuck to a piece of paper. <laughs> I mean, it fell off years ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Unless it was written directly into the treaty, it means nothing. Yeah. And like, just like that, Ireland is in PESCO now. You know, which yeah. is the European army, and we're in, we we have to send troops to it. You know, like it or so, lump it. like it or lump it. Yeah. But you know, to be fair, I think you know, like the world that we live in now, I think like people are starting to kind of wake up a bit. Um, Do you see any sign? Sorry to interrupt sense. you. Sorry to interrupt you, Claire. Do you see any sign <laughs> of that back home? Well, with regard with regard to the COVID jobs, I'm starting to see it a little bit now. You know, Ireland, what, I don't know, they had like, what, a 95, 97% uptake and things like that. So very compliant. Um, but like, there's a neighbour of mine down the road there, like, he was absolutely fanatical. I mean, they, like, they wouldn't let anyone into the house. They, you know, if they seen somebody walking down, the, I live in rural Ireland. So when they seen somebody like walking down the road, they'd walk the other way just to stay away from people. So when it's coming to this poor chat now, he's kind of said to my mother the other day, like, he just was like, do you think it's doing more harm than good? That's good. You know, because there's an awful lot of people dying, you see. Christ, yeah. And we, d- d- you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and the uh, thing is, Richie, you have to remember, I'm from Leitrim, right? Very small population. The town I'm from, I mean, the surrounding area, maybe a thousand people, we all know each other. And the amount of sudden deaths is astonishing. Astonishing. Lucy phoned in on this yesterday. One, yeah. I'll, gi- I'll give you one example. Back in, I think, January, there was um, this man passed away suddenly. And they were in the graveyard, right? And his brother was carrying the coffin and he felt weak and he had to step away from the coffin. He dropped dead, burying his father or his brother. There was two of them dead. At the funeral, at the, at the, the funeral, gravesite. He was carrying the coffin of his brother. And what's it put down to? A oh, heart attack. Just sudden. Yeah, just a heart attack. Just sudden. But there was an awful lot of it, you see, Richie. An awful lot of heart attacks, like seemingly healthy people just dropping dead. Like, you know, of the kind of 50, 60, maybe 40. You know, I mean, heart attacks did happen in the past, you yeah, know. And I've, yeah. I've heard you talking about, you know, the sudden adult death syndrome. I don't know if you remember back in 2004, there was a very famous footballer in Ireland. His name was Cormac McAnallen. Yes. He was from Tyrone. And he dropped dead. And they put it down to sudden adult death syndrome. I remember at the time thinking, maybe it's over fitness. Maybe it's these protein shakes that these footballers were taking. But round about that time, they started putting... Sorry, sir. Round about that time, they started putting um, these defibrillators in every Gaelic football pitch in Ireland. Even in 2004, 2004. they were doing yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were. And it was like, that's the first time I heard sudden death syndrome. So it's not something new. No. But can, even then it was rare. Can I jump but in? Now, can I jump in there? Not to contradict you. Not to contradict you, but <laughs> I, I, I do remember reading years ago that um, a certain amount of men or boys, a, a small, a very small percentage, are born with a hole, a small hole 
in in, yeah. in their heart and and this this for many years wasn't discovered and it, it did lead to obviously to some young men collapsing and dying so we, we have yeah. to that accounts for a little bit of it but what you're seeing now and lucy who phoned in from just outside belfast last night um we're yeah. seeing it now escalated to and, and and of course yeah. lately it seems like I, sh- I don't want to exaggerate. It seems that pretty often I'm watching a live soccer match in the English Premier League and the cameras pan away from the pitch to the side of the pitch and they say, oh, the players have been called off because there's a medical emergency in the crowd. Now, we've yeah. never seen that before. No, we haven't. But you know one of really good resources? I know Lucy was saying, like, the radio station or the radio programme yesterday about, like, keep a note of your friends. Well, in the Republic, anyway, there's um, a thing. It's called RIP.ie. So years ago, people used to put, like, kind of, like, when somebody died, it'd be put into the local newspaper and the details of the funeral and stuff would be, you know, kind of printed in paper. But now it's RIP.ie. And what I've been doing is, like, if you go on, say, today and you put in Waterford Ritchie, right? It'll give you the debts the last seven days. But what I would do is just change the year. So if you look at 2022, go back to 2021, go back to 20, go back to 19, and you will see there's an enormous amount of debts compared to those years. And looking at the ages of, because sometimes they mention Um, the age sometimes. A lot of the time you're talking suddenly, unexpectedly, after a short inlet. Those are the key words. Now, Jean Ann asked me to ask you. She's listening in in the yeah. West. In the West, she says, the West. Um, "Are they joining the dots? Then, you know, the people around the people that are dropping dead, are they asking any questions about these things? The jabs? Did the jab do it?" Well, I think some people are not a huge amount, but there is there is somewhat of a. I mean, like another neighbour had her fourth job, if you believe it. She'd had she'd had she'd five cancers, say for instance. So one of those that kind of better do this, like afraid of death. And um, her daughters thought she'd had, she'd had a stroke after it, you know, and she said herself she wouldn't take another job after that, you know. But so these are people that were fanatical. So, yeah, I, I do think like, you know, that people like even I have an aunt that like had all, all the shots and she said she's having no more. And her what she said is because there's an awful lot of people dying. So whatever she meant by that, I don't know. And she's, you think she's genuine? She won't um, Genuine, yeah, won't, won't have another one, yeah. And there's you know? my and there's my mother-in-law, a great lady in every sense of the word. She's great, big, big-hearted, mm-hmm. gregarious French woman. Um, was was crippled after the second one and has gone and had a third yeah. one. <sighs> I know, I know, Richie. But look, it's not until it's not until personally it affects them, like themselves, their own body, or if it's somebody very close to them. And that's always been the way with vaccine injury. You know, I mean, going back to people who like even before the like COVID things, like if kids were injured by vaccines, whether it be flu or MMR or anything like that, nobody believed them. I mean, they they were they weren't anti-vaccination or they wouldn't have gone and got their child vaccinated in the first place. But nobody ever believed them, you know. And now I think with the COVID things where it comes to kind of, you know, vaccine injury, it's because adults are getting vaccinated and seeing it. Babies can't tell you what's wrong with them, but adults can. I'm convinced that the explosion in, you know, spectrum conditions like, like obviously, the obvious one is autism. I'm absolutely yeah. convinced. And I have to, again, put the caveat there that I can't prove this, but it's just my opinion. These things never existed years ago. This idea that we know about these, um, um, you know, these uh, autism and stuff, we know about it because we, we learn to detect it. I don't buy that. I think these are vaccine-induced conditions. 
in many people. Personally, I personally I think that too. Obviously, not a doctor, or whatever. But the thing is, I am a mother, and like an awful lot of parents, like who have children with autism, will always say they were normal up until, and that's the that's the thing. They were normal up until, and not just that, Richie. Look, at I'm 37. You're in your 40s. How many people our age do you know, like? that have those type of neurological disorders, even when you were going to school. Not many. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, you know, and then they say, oh, it just wasn't diagnosed back then. But there wasn't any. No, there wasn't. I went to I went to St. Saviour's primary school in Ballybeg, boys and girls, nobody. I I, I can swear to this. I I was never in a classroom with a child uh, or or a student who was considered to have one of these illnesses that not, I shouldn't say illnesses, one of these conditions. It just it just did not yeah. exist. And all we got was the BCG. We got the polio shot. We never got anything else. No measles, yeah. none of that. Um, yeah. I remember interviewing a lady some years ago called Alyssa Nethery, this lovely woman from New York City. She's still fighting for compensation. They gave her child, um, Epen, I think his name was, baby Epen. Um, um, they gave him... Seven shots in one afternoon. He was dead in three days. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They gave him a cocktail of different, you know, uh, rotavirus and this and measles and that. Um, yeah. And uh, I've heard so much of it over. You know, I'm convinced that um, these these uh, spectrum, as they call him, these, you know, he's on the spectrum. And, I, do, you know, I feel yeah. so, I don't know about you, Claire, but I feel so grateful that these vaccine schedules didn't exist when I was five, six years of age. I'm so oh, grateful. I'm the same. Look, at my, I think my mother, she kind of gave us whatever she got, which was fuck all, because she's 70 now, do you know? Yeah. Um, so we didn't really get a lot. I mean, I'm pretty sure we definitely had hoop, hooping cough, like actually got the illness. Yeah. Um, and we had measles. Mumps. And we chicken pox. And I'm not sure if we had mumps. Mum reckons we did, but yeah. But yeah, you know, but you know, the thing is, Richie, I like, I'm convinced now. I'm like proper convinced that as this baby boomer generation die off, they're the last proper generation that got all these illnesses, right? So once they're, they're, they're I think, holding the floodgates back. And I think once they're gone, Richie, I think uh, the human race is in big trouble when it comes to these illnesses because you're supposed to get measles as a child. You're That's supposed right. to get chicken pox as a child. And there's a reason for that. You get those things in adulthood, you're in big trouble. We used Hospital to throw. Where you're do you remember we talked about this before on the show? Uh, not, I don't mean you and me, but we talked about it, and it's, I'm sure it's been spoken about on many shows. The, the measles parties. You threw the child into a bunch of children with measles to make sure the child yeah. got the measles. And the older yeah. doctors, my family doctor, would have said how important it was for children to get these things. They're miserable. They've got temperatures. Yeah. It's a bit of a pain in the arse. But the immune system develops and grows robust and strong. And apart from me yeah. having a bit of chest problem from time to time. I'm a bloody healthy bloke, really. You know, well, I there don't, you go. And yeah. the thing too, like with those illnesses, like there, none of them were an issue until a vaccination was available. Do you know? And yeah. then they were deadly. Yeah. And anyone my generation, millennials here, sorry about that now, but um, like the, my generation, their kids, they're terrified of measles. And the reason they are is because A, they may not have got it themselves, but B, they've been told that it's deadly and people die from it. Do you know? But yeah, um, it's just not the case. No, if it's you live one in a, a Western million. world and you have a proper diet, it's not. It's just it's going to be a pain in the arse for me. Yeah. There's a former England rugby player, Matt Dawson. He's done well for himself on TV. He used to be one of the captains on A Question of Sport. Now, you probably wouldn't have seen that for a long time, having been no. in New Zealand. But he was one of the captains. And he's a fairly decent bloke. But I think his child had a meningitis strain. And it must have been pretty bad for him. But the child came around anyway. But he's been mm. part of this huge campaign 
to to put the meningitis jab on the schedule for every child in the country, even though, and I've reached out to Dawson to ask him to explain, even though it's it's less than one and half a million babies that get meningitis that will die. This is it, but I think she doesn't meningitis live in the back of your nose. Yeah. Do you know, so something has to trigger it. Yeah, you that's know? right. Um, and like a lot of the time too, like, you know, those types of things are picked up in hospitals and stuff. And at the moment, of course, there's an awful lot of children going in with RSV and stuff because of, they call it, what is it? It's, um, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's immune debt, they're calling it, Richie. It's basically the lockdowns, what's caused in children is with these RSVs. They've missed like two seasons of RSV and they'll go back into the schools and things like that. And then they're getting a super kind of version of it. And right. An awful lot of them can't deal with it because they were supposed to be coming into contact with viruses and you know all these and things fighting all them the off time. and yeah yeah and then they were basically cocooned for a couple of years you know so now it's immunity debt and it's acknowledged by doctors that's what they're calling it immunity debt so the children the children as always are the ones that they're wide open yeah let, let me ask you this you this know. is a cheeky question you don't have to answer it but i'm going to ask you i i can see you this is radio but i can see you you're yeah. holding Aoife there and Aoife's yeah. your fourth child uh, Aoife's the baby and this is Finn oh there's Finn and he's Finn. Finn's about four is he he's four are you yeah. doing Finn See, so cheeky question but it's the obvious question to ask do you how much time do you spend worrying about them going into this world now oh look sometimes I wonder like did I do the right thing in having children and the thing is I did you know there isn't there's going to be a ser- one second Finn there's going to be a serious problem with population going forward because the populations are getting older you know and people are going on about there's too many people in the world they're actually they're, most western countries in 30 years time are not going to have enough young people yeah, to take yeah, over yeah, jobs yeah. and stuff yeah you know one second Finn so yeah it's um yeah so maybe I'll have another you know yeah. just to kind of Keep the population up. Yeah, I do worry, but at the same time, like you have to, you can't constantly worry, Richie. You just have to get on with it. You have to get on with it. I love love this. I might have another. At the same time, you've got Extinction Rebellion people saying, I'm not going to have a child to save the planet. Well, to keep a population going, a woman has to have two point something children. So, do you know what I mean? And don't forget that we, 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 yet again this week we had further confirmation. They, they bring a story out every year. I don't think it is scaremongering. I think it's true. Sperm counts are declining right across the globe. I mean, this is yeah. a fact for, for environmental but reasons. But also, Richie, when yeah. I hear these people going on about, oh, they're not going to have children because they're saving the planet, I just think selfish bastards. Who's going to yeah. pay your fucking pension? Get in there. Do you know Claire. what I mean? Absolutely. Well, like, it's true, isn't it, Who's going to look after I mean, you? Yeah. Who the fuck? Yeah. Do you know, if you're deliberately not having children because you're trying to save the planet, I think that's selfish. Do you know, and it's a slap in the face of people who, like Jenny, want children, can't have them. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. if you can't have kids, have them, like, you know, and look, it's, it's I mean, it's not, it's not always easy, but you, you, you never regret it, you know? Well, that was a fantastic call. Call yeah. in again, Claire, will you? I'm going to take another, there, there are other calls coming in. Um, delighted, yeah. delighted that you're, it's going well there if you haven't come back home from, from New Zealand. And um, Finn and Aoife look absolutely fantastic. So so brilliant, Claire. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. bye. All, all the best for now. That's Claire, originally from Leitrim, who, who lived in New Zealand. We heard from Claire about six or seven months ago on the programme um, after she'd come uh, to the UK from New Zealand because New Zealand was just obviously getting this crazy basket case. And then it had gone from, uh, she's now gone from the UK back home to Ireland. 
and she's got the two youngsters there with with her tea time, I suppose. They're they're screaming for a bit of grub. Uh, the the youngsters. What what will I do now? I'll play the jingle again, and then I'll, I'll take another call. Okay, that's what I'll do. Alrighty. What time is it, by the way? It is exactly 28 minutes past 6 o'clock. It is Thursday's programme, your Richie Allen Show, live from Salford, with me, your BBG. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And we're in the UK this time with this caller. Caller, welcome. Who am I speaking with? How are you doing? It's Mark from Canada. Hello, Mark in Canada. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. It's been a long time since we spoke, Richie. Mark, you don't drive lorries, do you? Yes, I'm on it right now. Ah, that's there you go. T- I'm the monk. Tis yourself. I can hear it's it's it's. I don't know if I'm on speaker, but you might take me off speaker so I can hear you a bit better, Mark. Yeah, you're in you're in my ears, but the earpiece might not be very good. I no, no, it's good now. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good now. No, stay okay, with that. Okay, good, okay, to, good to chat, good. my friend. What what would you like to say? Go ahead. Well, I was just listening to uh, your previous caller from Ireland, and we're having the same over here in Canada. There's evidently this big outbreak of RSV in kids. They're trying to bring masks back into schools. They're really pushing. Uh, We have a shortage of amoxicillin for kids, which is the antibiotics. Any painkillers for kids, there doesn't seem to be any around. Um, They are just pushing and pushing and pushing the vaccine still. Um, you know, it's the whole thing is, yeah, it's a joke. Now, this RSV, just in case some listeners don't know, it's officially respiratory synctial virus infection. Um, it's a pretty common yeah. virus that gives um, pretty mild symptoms to, to, to children. They, they normally get over it in a few days. But but uh, so so what's going on, Mark? Is this genuine or is it scaremongering? Is it is, is are these claims about the virus designed to panic parents into getting the children vaccinated? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. If you listen to any of the media outlets here in Canada, they're all government sponsored. You know, they're all leaning very much to the left. Not that it doesn't matter left or right. We already know that it's the same hand working either side of the puppet. Um, but, it, yeah, they're just scaremongering all the time. Um, and, you know, they're telling, they're telling us now that the hospitals are going to be full. The healthcare system is stretched again. You know, but when I talk to people about this, I just ask them, I said, well, this has been going on for at least the last three years. You think all the money that Mr. Trudeau is sending over to the Ukraine, we could probably be putting a few more hospital wings in and yeah. you just see their faces. You know, it's like, Showing a dog a card trick, it's it's it, yeah, it, it, it blank stares. You know, it, it it is it is sad, but there are groups of people coming together here now in Canada. I belong to a group. It, it's a question of getting to know your neighbours and uh, working with them. You know, everybody's struggling, uh, just like in England, the the bills are going up, but we obviously have colder weather here in Canada, so. We have to have the heating on early, um, and it and it stays on for quite a while. You know, it was it was minus thirty last week here was in Alberta so, already. Jesus, you know, yeah, yeah. It, 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 so you know, we're working together. We're trying to help each other as far as food is is the most important thing. 
And I would recommend people get to know your farmers, come together. You know, I know people that go to a local farmer, they buy milk from him. I know you can do that in England. You can't do it here. It's actually illegal to buy raw milk. Um, Why? But in, uh, uh, it's been illegal in Canada. It's illegal in certain states of America. Uh, say that, you know, the milk hasn't been pasteurized. It's not, uh, it, it's not safe, but you and I know that's different. Man, I was brought up on a farm, so I've drunk raw milk most of my life. Yeah. Um, if, the, if the truth be known, behind me in the truck is 27,000 litres of the stuff. So there you go. Now you know what I do. <laughs> you're, you're delivering milk. I love it. In a, in a massive lorry. But I, I, I worked with a radio presenter called Oliver Carroll, one of the greatest gentlemen that ever opened a microphone. Oliver, he's still a terrific presenter in Ireland. And Oliver comes from a farming background in Wexford. And I remember him. I remember going to the farm with him one morning when his father was alive, old Dan. And I remember them drinking the warm milk straight out of the cow and saying yeah. to me that this was yeah. this was basically goodness on steroids basically the best thing you could yeah, ever do all yeah the enzymes. yeah yeah all the living enzymes are still in it once they get it to the factory they pasteurize it they basically kill it they take all the enzymes out and everything um there are arguments that say lactose intolerant people can drink raw milk um i'm not a scientist i'm not a doctor i know a lactose so-called lactose intolerant person that drinks raw milk and doesn't have a problem. Um, so, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? I think now we've we've got so many experts, or so they say experts, you know, just like what Hayden Lewis said the other day. Um, you could just push a button on the internet and you've got thousands of experts in whatever. But are they experts? It's the same on the TV, you know. Now, now's the time to throw your fucking television out the window because everything they say, is it's entertainment. None of it can be, you know, they don't back anything up. But one of the things I would like to tell you that I know was going on in England, it was going on here in Canada, I know this myself, that you was having milk taken off of farms during COVID and basically dumped because there was an oversurplus of milk. Is that right, Mark? I didn't know that. I, I, I've not come across that before. Yeah, there's a company over there called Arla. They will deny it, uh, but I do know two of the drivers from Arla personally. They were telling me it was going on. Farmers were telling me it was going on because I'm still connected to the farming industry in the UK as well as here. Um, but, yeah, you can't turn the cows off, and it takes a while to dry a cow out. So, yeah, milk was being dumped. Uh, animals on farms were, were being culled because there was too many of them. I think you knew about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and now they're charging us through the roof to try and get this money back. Um, out here, they're, they're actually saying there's record profits in grocery stores. Uh, the oil companies, are, 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 they have to show all their books, record profits again. So we're all being bent over, Richie. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it, but you're absolutely spot on. We are. And as, as Jean Ann mentioned earlier on, my, my, my pal, and, and very helpful when it comes to doing the programme, um, it's not so much Damascus slipped; it's um, brazen now. What's happening? They're not concerned anymore oh, yeah, about care. people. No, no, they don't. No, they don't care. The, the, the face is there, and it's basically um, it's a, what are you going to do about it? That's I think where we're at now. It, it's it's the case of there's nothing you can do. We're untouchable. What are you going to do about it? And all I can suggest to people is come together, play the system, 
as 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 they are doing. You know, I talk to my friends in England. We we are very much programmed into uh, this is my house, this is my castle. You know, don't talk to your neighbours. We've been programmed like this for years. No, start talking to your neighbours. Start building communities. If you're if you're subscribing to a network on on let's call it Netflix for what it is, and you have five signings for that, if you're not allowing other people to sign into that and play the system and maybe, oh, I'll sign into yours, you sign into mine, then there you go. You're not playing the system. Just in uh, case, just in case, being... just in case Netflix lawyers are listening, I completely condemn what you just said there, Mark, to be honest. Exactly. That's outrageous. Don't do that, anybody. <laughs> do not do that. Do not do that. Don't that be sharing legal. your Netflix password. Uh, <laughs> don't be sharing your passwords with anybody yeah. because it's you can get hacked and everything but anyway you know this is the sort of thing we've been led to believe in and it's time to it's time to get out now it's time to talk to other people you know uh people survived in the war in england talk to your grandparents get you know if they're still alive get that knowledge you know there was there was one or two people in the village that supplied food they went out then yeah, maybe they did a bit of poaching but you know what there's not many people hunting in england now talk to your farmers talk to those people They'll be happy. They're struggling. You know, if four or five of you can come together and buy a beef, he'll tell you where to take it or he'll take it there for you, you know. And this is what you've got to do. Help each other out now. Come together. Great call, Mark. Great call, buddy. Lovely to hear from you again. It's been a long time. And uh, safe travelling yeah. there in Canada. Safe travels. Uh, look after yourself, everybody. Look after yourself, Richie. Love to everyone and just take care and what a great show, mate. Thank uh, you you're a gentleman, Mark. Thank you. Mark in Canada, he's a driver there and he's pulled over uh, to call us. Really interesting about the dumping of the milk. I didn't know that. It, it'll be something I'll, I'll obviously have to try and get some more information on it. It might be difficult uh, to do that. I'm going to take a tune now, just a little bit of a tune, just to rest the old vocals for a moment, because I'm still a bit hoarse, you see, after my after my brief illness there. A little bit hoarse. This is Gary Barlow, by the way. Gary Barlow, the genius that is Gary Barlow. One of the best nights we ever had out, El Frogo, T and myself. El Frago Tremendo was seeing Gary Barlow one man show at the Apollo in Manchester about three four years ago he was absolutely immense great guy I'm back with a call after this cold seasonal flu and respiratory diseases we all get them never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack now more than ever it's essential to have a robust immune system inspired by the Zelenko protocol Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3 C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient giving your immune system an optimum boost take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to Immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. Yes, caller, welcome to the programme. How are you? Who are you? Where are you? Hey, Richie. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Darren. Darren, how are you, Pal? I am currently at T Bay Truck Stop. 
Fantastic. I'm a trucker who's actually stopped before I've uh, you're, I'm rang you. Darren, I'm delighted. Unlike, unlike your last caller. If, if this carries on, I'm going to have to get a CB here. If if, if this can oh, mark. Yeah, break, Negatory, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I got a smoky on my tail about five miles back. I love it. Darren, thanks for phoning <laughs> in, pal, and genuinely nice to meet you. What would you like to say? You too. Long-time listener, Richie. I love, I love your work. But, and, uh, yeah, well, there's one of two things, really, because I've... I've, you know, I've been thinking just this last couple of hours, basically. You know, you with, with the price of energy, the the one thing people could do is basically just you know boycott these people. One week Shell, next week BP. You know, it, it cocks the entire logistics up, and it just it would just you, know, you talk about peaceful protest all the time. What better way? Stop buying their product. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't. Obviously, if the your household gas and electricity, but you know, these are the petrol stations, and you know, just the same thing goes with supermarkets. Stop buying one brand's products one week, and and, and they will soon come round to thinking. Hang on a minute, be seen through this now. If you live in my but, street, I'm with you, and I'll. Go along well, with you, and I know yeah. you know this. It the problem is 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 shaking people out of their isn't it? Yeah. yeah, because you're right. I mean, we've seen this on social media when the woke warriors threaten I don't do social media. No, but, but, but you know, <laughs> do you know, do you know what they're doing. So, for example, um, you'll get we 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 talk about woke people. You know, the cancel culture. Now they've become very successful at getting companies to fire people. Um, people they don't like, you know, because that person might be anti-trans or because that person might be right-wing. They, they, they put pressure on companies on social media by yeah. threatening those companies Perfect. that they'll yeah. stop buying their bloody products. And it works. What, they, they often get what, what they want, yeah. What better threat than it and where it hurts? Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it is so simple. No violence, no mass protests. Just, right, we're not buying from you this week. Hidden where it hurts, If you don't sort yourself out, we're not buying from you next week either. Hey, listen, I don't want to you depress... Know, we, we do have a choice, don't we? You we know, do have a choice. You're bang on. We have a yeah. choice not to, to, to conspire with those who would destroy our way of life to, to, to go along peacefully. Absolutely. Can I ask you yeah, this, being, being a truck driver, and mm. I, I went down to the local Tesco the other day to put a half a tank into my estate uh, car... And I don't drive very often, and I nearly crapped myself. Um, uh, forty quid got me just under twenty liters of diesel, <laughs> and I, and I, you being a, a, a lorry driver now, you might work for yourself, you might work for a company. Is, no, I work but, for a company. But put it this way, Richie, I'm fucking glad I don't pay for it myself. Right. I've just filled up today, actually. Uh, so I'll fill up today. I'm back down to base tomorrow, and I filled up about seven hundred liters. 1,200 quid. 1,200 quid to fill the lorry. Yeah, it's still diesel's nearly two, still nearly two pound a litre. Yeah, yeah. And we, we use we use like bunkering companies. It, it, it is cheaper to the actually to the business, but the actual pump prices it's still near one ninety one ninety five. You know where where I can fill up. And has the company so, given any? Has the company said anything that might be, you know, alarming? Like, has the company said we're struggling ourselves? We're struggling with our own bottom line, or are they? Are they doing okay? 
it's not a transport company I work for. It's a manufacturing company, and the the transport is is part of the business. If you know what I mean, it's the end product. If you know what I mean, you know they manufacture the trucks deliver. So it's all part of the the same thing. It's not a a general haulage company, right. if you will, where right. that where it is really hitting them seriously, hitting them because they can't put the rates up to match the. The, the price of diesel. Look, for, I'm, I'm fortunate working for a company. They sell furniture as it happens, and you know, obviously, the price goes on on the product. And you know, it, it's so. But still, it's a hell of a lot of money. It's a lot of when money, isn't got, it? When you've got forty trucks running all I, over the country. Let me ask you this, Darren. As a driver, I. I, I, I have no doubt that you bump into people. I mean, you'll be popping into services, you'll be meeting people at either end. So mm. you'll be a guy who talks to people. Do you get any sense that this is starting to dawn on people? That, you know, that this is not right, that this is just... Well, Richard, this, this, is, this, is why, this is why I rang. Your previous caller talked about fuel price and things. This is why I rang. I, go, I live in a small town called Colne. Well, I'm in between Colne and Barn Oldswick, actually, which was Sue last night tried to get through to you, but she couldn't. She was from Barn Oldswick. You tried to ring her back several times, but anyway, that's by the way. And But me and a friend have been going up to a local... It's only a small bar in Barn Oldswick for the last couple of years, basically since all this COVID nonsense started. And we've just been known as the two conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers who sit out back talking shit. Right. That's what we used to be known as. Right. Now, people are coming and actually talking to us. Are they? Asking you questions, right. Asking questions. You know, there's one or two are still a bit dubious, but you say, and, and you actually say, well, I've had my two jabs. I'm, I'm not having a third. I'm hearing all these things. But they, they are hearing things through mainstream media, which, which I suppose is a good thing. It is a good thing. There's not enough information in the mainstream, but they, that's obviously where they're picking it up because they obviously take no notice of such as yourself and people who are... See, I've never been a preacher. I don't preach. We just talk about stuff. And I was just going to say... I was just going to say you have a lovely way about you, so I don't imagine you browbeating oh, people. I'm, I don't imagine you a, domineering people when you're telling them I'm stuff. I'm a Lancashire, I'm a Lancashire lad. Yeah. But I'm, I'm six foot two, I've got a bald head and a goatee beard, and people say it <laughs> the wrong way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. All, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, well, that's people's perceptions. But, you know, but now they are saying, you know, oh, so-and-so dropped dead over there. I say, oh, yeah, oh, you'd have four jabs, and, oh, I've had my third jab, and I've been rough as fuck for the last two weeks. And, right. You know, and there's none of that. Like I say, I'm not, I told you so. There's one or two people who are, I told you so. You should have listened to me, but no. Doesn't get you anywhere. No, you're right. You know, they could. could, I love it, Darren. I love your approach. I think people are seeing through it. Just seeing through this, seeing through COVID. It's too late for that now because we've moved on to the next step, obviously. (laughs) Now it's climate and uh, digital currency and various other things. And all that other stuff. But you, you, made, yeah. you made a good point about the mainstream media. GB News, particularly this guy Steen or Stein, I don't know how you pronounce his name. But uh, what, Mark Stein, I'm watching Mark Stein, yeah. I read him on YouTube, yeah. And he, he, has, he has pushed the vaccine injuries really well. Well done him. Really well, it's, it's certainly, yeah. 
Ofcom have threatened him with various uh, sanctions, but he's, he's, he's still pushing on with it. I think he is willing to be cancelled or lose his job for telling the truth. He's the one of, there's not many journalists who no, are there willing isn't. to sacrifice their career <laughs> for doing what a journalist should do. That's right, asking so, bloody so, questions. Yeah. I mean, do you know there's a, yeah. there's a great example of this at the moment, Darren? Now, I don't want to bore listeners to death because a lot of our listeners probably couldn't care less about sport. But Piers Morgan, the devil, um, has been interviewing oh, yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo from Manchester United about um, yeah. Ronaldo falling out with the football club. And it's yeah. a wonderful example of everything that's wrong with journalism. It doesn't matter that it's about sport. Ronaldo has just been given free reign to go on a national radio programme and badmouth several people and badmouth the club and all of that. And Piers Morgan has sat there and nodded along and not challenged a single thing. And that's exactly yeah, crystallises the media, doesn't it? Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you see... I've, I've heard. I listen to do. I do listen to talk, uh, talk radio, just for a laugh, basically. Julie Hartley Brew and Julia, yeah. she pops her head on, and 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 she does a good job. But the rest of the time, she just you know we all have vaccine, pro vaccine, this and pro Ukraine, you know. And you think, well, I know exactly what you are, but occasionally, especially with this green agenda, she does seem to ask the right questions. But. Uh, Piers Morgan, we all know he's a wanker anyway, don't we? But I, I think. Do you I remember him, Ronaldo? I think it, I think it's with the because the World Cup's coming up. Let's get a footballer on. You know, it's all linked into the bread and circuses. Absolutely, thing, you know I mean? absolutely. Let, let's talk yeah. to uh, the best footballer, one of the best footballers that ever lived. Let's not. We can't deny that, can we? The no. Man is, a genius, yeah. So part of. World Cup's coming and everything has now it's all gone football but it's all going to go tipped up for him in this World Cup routine huh? how do you mean what, what do you think it, it's not going to work because he saw that England flying out on a virgin aircraft with rainbow uh, yeah on the plane uh, I saw that uh, yeah. and all that <laughs> and they're going to wear they're going to wear their little rainbow flags and rainbow coloured laces that's right. You know, why? Why? Why are they doing that? What? What? If if they had a problem with Qatar's uh, government, if you can call them that, more of a dictatorship, I suppose, isn't it? But if they have a problem with that, you just say no. We're not going there. Absolutely we're not right. This. What? We are not entertaining this. Well said, no. Darren. What gives us the and, right and, to tell people and, how they know, should live their then, lives? Then the corrupt FIFA. Shit that went on to give them the fucking games in the first place. Yeah, it just crumble again. Just yeah. say no. Yeah, it's simple. We're not going there. Well, no, absolutely they, right. They just go along with it. Hey, listen, we're just about out of time, by the way. I'm going to wrap the program up now. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no, yeah, brilliant call, yeah. mate. No, listen, listen. No, I mean it when I say it. Absolutely I'm, I'm brilliant I'm, I'm call. Glad, I'm glad you rang. I'm, I'm glad you rang. I'm glad you answered. Actually, no, I'm, I'm delighted. Quite surprised it. when me me Bluetooth went to. And yeah, oh, I had to turn my Bluetooth off, and uh, yeah, nice to speak, Richard. Like I said, a long time, listener. My pleasure, and uh, I and love your you, approach. I love your approach with your neighbours. You, uh, well, it has to be done, hasn't it? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, who's going to help them when it all goes? When it eventually up. goes tits and up, they yeah. realize, and they realise that oh, you know, 
we know only to then stick together. We can't yeah. criticise them. We cannot castigate them. You know, like say, get, you know, yeah, yeah, you've had your vaccine. I don't want to do with you. We're all going to have to because there will come a point when we will all have to just stick together. Absolutely, they they are our it, friends, it, our neighbours, and our family, and exactly. they they're important exactly. to us. Absolutely Whatever right race, creed, or colour, it doesn't matter because we're all victims of the same crime. And when it comes to it, we're all going to stick together. And yeah, safe, safe travels, much, yeah. safe travels, Darren. Look after yourself, pal. And uh, if you see yeah, me anytime, yeah. run, I'm, I'm out there running around Manchester and Salford. If you ever, if you ever passing in the cab, give me an L. You know, I mean, I'll there. Right through Manchester, I think I'll, I'll keep my eye out for you. Like I thought, I'm not spotting that like, six foot four bowler. You can't miss me. Yet. But, no, I've not seen you. Yet. I've not seen you yet. I'll give you a shout. Do, buddy. I'll give you a ring another time anyway. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, Darren. Mind yourself. Boy, that was Darren. Brilliant calls, by the way, uh, today. That that was lovely. An in, an, in, an impromptu um, little mini phone in there. Thanks to everybody who called in. Um, Claire earlier on kicked it off, of course. and uh, Brilliant stuff. Really enjoyed that. Nearly out of time. I will be back with you on Sunday for Sunday Morning Melodies. That Sunday morning melodies, the, the, the 10 o'clock uh, Sunday morning thing where I play music from yesteryear and uh, we have a few stories and stuff like that. Um, I spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on a jingle for it. I didn't really, but um, I can pretend I did. And so I've got to play it. This is the jingle. <laughs> Sunday morning melodies with So there, that's the jingle. Uh, 10 o'clock. Now, Monday, Monday afternoon, my great friend Paul Ripley, um, his wife Maxine is being laid to rest on Monday afternoon. Okay? Uh, the funeral, and then there's a wake after. So I won't be with you on Monday, but um, I'll be back with you on Tuesday. So I'll be obviously attending uh, the funeral on Monday. That's this coming Monday. I'll be back with you on the Tuesday. And in lieu of that, um, I'll do a show next Friday. Um, I had planned on doing something tomorrow afternoon, actually. But um, that's gone by the wayside because the future Mrs. El Frago is going to be away at her company. She's working from home these days, but she's going to her company's head office tomorrow, spending the entire day there. And that messes up my plans to do a show um, because there are things that need to be done around here. So I'll be back with you on Sunday at 10. Monday, I'll be at... Um, Paul's wife's funeral. I'm back with you then. The Rich Allen was on Tuesday, okay? Okay. I'll remind you on Sunday. Again, in any in any case. Um, thanks for all the comments that came in during the phone calls, by the way. And sorry I didn't get to them, but I appreciate you taking the effort, making the effort to comment on the programme as uh, we go along. Thank you so much for that. Um, so there's very little else to say, really, other than I'm going to leave you with... Um, I've not heard this for a long time. Can I do this? Yeah, go on for the crack. Um, I've not heard this for years and years and years and years. But in light of Michael phoning in from Canada, from his cab, he pulled over to the side of the road there. Not, not minus 30 degrees today, but it was minus 30 degrees last week. Jesus wept, can you imagine that? Um, and then the lovely Darren from Lancashire who pulled over his lorry to have a chat with us. Um, what else could you close out the programme with than this? And this was requested by the previously mentioned Jean-Anne Crowley and Cleggan. She mentioned this. I, I actually uh, thought of it myself. This here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, big fan? Come on. Right, hang on then before we hear this. Um, enjoy your weekend. Look after yourselves and one another. And I'll speak to you on Sunday at 10. How about that, okay? 
Uh, breaker one nine, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, big fan, come on.